Welcome into Running for the Roses. I'm Ryan Baffle, Lucas, joined by Lucas Rohde. Lucas and I have been waiting to do this podcast since about 11.25 Central Time on Sunday afternoon. Uh, it is our playoff reaction pod. I think it's been good, Lucas, that we've had a couple of days to kind of cool down and reflect and, and, and kind of um, maybe try to see some different you know, arguments and you know, angles. Um, obviously, by now, everyone has, has known Alabama gets into the college football playoff over Florida State. Uh, I have it on good authority that Lucas is in Tuscaloosa this week picketing outside of the, the, uh, the Alabama football office with a big fraud sign, you know, on the garden sign. <laughs> you are in Alabama, though. So how are you doing for the last few days? How have things been? Good. I was actually in Tuscaloosa today. Um, basically went there this morning, worked there all day today. Um, was not picketing just because I probably would have been shot or escorted out by security or anything like that. But I, like you, am happy. Uh, we probably didn't record right away. This would not have been a family-friendly uh, podcast, more than likely, because um, I had a lot of thoughts on Sunday. and My mind still hasn't changed, but I feel like it was good to get a few days to kind of, like you said, listen to the different arguments that people were making. But at the end of the day, and we'll get to this, why I wish we had a 12-man field this year, because I'm so sick and tired of having these arguments about which team is better and going through every single data point when it's like, let's just have these teams freaking play each other and just prove it on the field. So, um, but yeah, we'll get to kind of our, our side of where we stand on this. But, um, but yeah, it's good to have a few days um, uh, to kind of go through. Forgive me if my mouth... If my throat sounds really, really nasally. I've been battling a cold the last week. I'm pretty much fully over it, but I cannot shake this cough um, to save my life right now. Um, so the more I talk, the weaker my voice tends to get. So I'll let you talk here for a little bit, Ryan. Uh, yeah, so Lucas and I are going to talk tonight really just about the college football playoff committee, the selection of, of, uh, of Alabama over Florida State. Um, what does it mean for the sport? We both, I think, are pretty passionate that the committee uh, did not make the right call, leaving an undefeated Florida State team out of the college football playoff. I think we'll go over the arguments as to why. We'll go over maybe the, some of the rationale that people have been giving out them for the last handful of days. Um, might do a little preview of the games itself. I think that's kind of the crappy thing, Lucas, is the games are going to be really fun. I mean, you have Michigan and Alabama, which is just going to be a ratings monster, storylines up the wazoo. And then you have Washington versus Texas, which is going to be a million points scored, two awesome offenses, two college football playoff newcomers. I know Washington made it a handful of years ago, but a couple fresh faces. So really, it's a fun playoff field, but it is kind of been draped in controversy. And it feels like we sit here every year and we have the same argument. Why is this team in? Why didn't this team get in? Last year, if you remember, we, we almost had too few like quality teams to make it right that's why ohio state got in after not beating michigan in the regular season right that's why tcu lost in their conference championship game and made it as a one loss non-conference champion and this year we we had too many teams we had six teams for four spots after the results of championship weekend we saw michigan win we saw florida state win we saw washington win we saw alabama win we saw texas win um and we saw georgia lose 
So the committee's left to say, all right, we, you know, we have Michigan who's in, we have Washington who's in, and we have four teams for two spots. The committee put Texas in, which I think we both agreed on. Um, Texas, a win over Alabama, a Big 12 championship, the best non-conference win in the country, maybe the best win in the country besides, you know, post-conference championship weekend. Um, and then that four spot, they were basically down to an undefeated ACC champion, Florida State who has limped to the finish line without Jordan Travis, but beat two power, beat two power five teams away from home, uh, beat Florida in the swamp, and beat a top 15 Louisville team on a neutral, or Alabama, which had lost to Texas, but had won the SEC West, and then beat Georgia on, in championship weekend. And no surprise, they went, they went with the SEC team. They went with the bigger brand. They went with the team that was higher ranked in the preseason. They, they, they went with, you know, whatever. Um, they went with the team with the healthy quarterback. And the rationale that has since come out, basically the committee decided that Florida State could not compete for a national championship in its current state. That if they put Florida State in, they were doing a disservice to the, you know, whatever, the fans, whatever the rationale was. They didn't believe Florida State was on par with the other four teams, or maybe even Georgia, although they ranked them ahead of Georgia, which is odd to me. So immediately after this happens, I get a call from you. I get a call from Dakota. Uh, we, me and you played phone tag for a little bit Sunday, trying to catch each other to kind of dissect our feelings. And so this is the first time we're really kind of hashing it out, which I think is good. Um, I'll kind of let you take it from there. And just when it happened, what were your thoughts? How have they evolved over the last handful of days? Um, well, just kind of going back to, to Sunday when it happened. So context on Sunday, I ran a half marathon in the morning. Not Shout out. Congrats, time, buddy. I had. I had, thank you. I had, you know, when you go for a good run or a good workout, you've got a lot of, a lot of energy, a lot of testosterone, um, a lot of serotonin, a lot of stuff running through you. And basically, I get home. I'm just about to get in the shower, and they're about to announce the team. I, about 75% of me thought that they would do the right thing because I remember you brought up this scenario last week on the pod, and I said, I just don't think – like they've, they've, they've set that precedent that they believe that a undefeated Power 5 team usually deserves or usually always gets in. Like I just, I just don't see them setting that precedent. That being said, it doesn't matter what precedent they set for this because this is the last year in this model. So that kind of put a little bit of fear in me. And just all the talk um, that happened when, when Florida State was playing. I mean, even going into their game against Louisville, I was watching the Fox pregame for the Big Ten Championship, and pretty much all the commentators on there were like, nope, they really got really to trash Louisville in order to get in, in my opinion. Like, it almost felt like most of the commentators thought this was a foregone conclusion after Alabama won, that unless, um, unless they completely wrecked Louisville, much like they kept bringing up the comparison to Ohio State, back in 2014 when they had their third-string quarterback in Cardell Jones and they whipped Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game. That leapfrogged them over TCU and Baylor that year. Um, and, one, I thought that comparison was stupid because Ohio State had a loss that year. They lost to a bad Virginia Tech team at the beginning of the season. So they were 12-1, and which was 11-1 going into that game. The same record as TCU and as Baylor where Florida State was already undefeated. And basically when they announced it, um, 
on Sunday. I was I was livid. Like it took me like twenty to twenty five minutes to kind of like calm down. And as if I was like a Florida State alum or a fan or a player, like I was living and I can't imagine how those fans felt. You did everything in your possibility. And the fact that their sole reason was because of an injury, and I get it, Jordan Travis, one of the better college quarterbacks in the game, their offense obviously was not the same. But it just, to me, it discredits what the rest of that team did. Like you mentioned, they still went on the road, won with a backup quarterback in the swamp in a rivalry game. And then they went, and look, the score was 16-6. to They dominated that football game against Louisville. We forget, we kept looking at the offense. They were playing with their third-string quarterback, who, by the way, was not going to be playing in the bowl game. Like, uh, uh, Rotomaker was just out with a concussion. Like, he would have been back had they have made the playoff game. But the fact that they were just basing it off their third string disregarded the fact (coughs) that... uh, uh, Jeff Brom, the head coach of Louisville, was the first time in five years his offenses had been limited to over under 200 yards. It was a top 25 offense that was playing with all their full starters that they limited to six points and completely dominated. And like you mentioned, it was still a top 15 team that they beat by 10 points on the road. Uh, they also had the head-to-head, or if you look at common opponents, they kicked the shit out of LSU at the beginning of the year. I mean, and LSU and Alabama played. That was a close game until Jaden Daniels gets knocked out. And basically, uh, Doug, or, uh, Garrett Nussmeyer has to play basically the last quarter and a half of that game when Alabama starts to pull away. And, and I'm not trying to say Alabama's not deserving of the spot. Obviously, like you mentioned, they might have the best win of any team now, beating uh, a Georgia who was ranked number one in the country on a neutral site. They're a much better team than what they started the year as. I get that. But I just hate the fact that they're like, well, you know, Florida these or Florida State these last two weeks just hasn't looked right. Did they watch the Iron Bowl? Like, Auburn just has one more win than, than Florida does. And the week before, Auburn got their ass kicked by 21 points to New Mexico State. And Alabama needed a freaking Hail Mary with their starting quarterback, fully healthy. They needed a Hail Mary in order to stay undefeated. So it just, to me, I think the thing that irked me (coughs) was it felt like the committee, once Alabama won that game, was looking for any viable excuse they could find. They wanted to put, all of them wanted to put Alabama in. And they found it, they're like, well, you know, Florida State's just, they're one of the four best. And I'm so sick and tired of hearing this phrase. They're like, we don't want the four best most deserved. We want the four best. You only say you want the four best when you need an excuse to put the team in that you actually want to win. Because the best is so subjective. There was talk that they had former head coaches coming in, and they were asking them, who would you rather play right now, Alabama or Florida State? Of course they're going to freaking say Alabama. They're going to say that every year. Like, what are we doing? Like, we're trying to pick a national team. Like, and well, the fact that you mentioned, well, and the thing that also pissed me off was them saying, well, we wanted the team that had the best chance. Why are we thinking into the future? This should be based on what you did in the regular season, not what you're projected to do. Because if you're just going off of projections, then why are we even playing the damn regular season? And that's, that's what irked me. 
Like, you basically told Florida State their game didn't matter because one of their players got hurt. I mean, Jordan Travis, for God's sakes, had to come out and say, oh, I kind of wish I broke my leg weeks earlier because we could have proven that we were still a, a much, we would have had a bigger sample size to prove we were still a good team without me. It's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I, so obviously agree with basically everything you said there. It's also hilarious that, you know, Texas loses their starting running back, doesn't matter. Michigan loses maybe their best offensive lineman for the, a broken leg against Ohio State, doesn't matter. Um, the thing that I keep wrapping my head around and what I have finally kind of come to terms with is this committee and this process is just not like anything we have in sports. Like, I try to compare it to professional sports. Like, I try to compare it to, like, you know, if a couple of years ago in 2021, the Warriors didn't make the end did not make the playoffs. They got eliminated in the in uh, the play-in tournament. And it's like the equivalent of saying, hey, you know, seven seed, like we're not going to take you guys who had the better record. We're going to put the Warriors in because we want the best eight teams. Or I think the best comparison that I've seen over the last few days was somebody had said on Twitter that it's this is the equivalent if the NFL in 2017 said, hey, Philadelphia Eagles, you're not going to make the playoffs this year because we don't think you can win the Super Bowl. Because you lost Carson Wentz. Like, this just doesn't happen, right? Like, we don't talk about, oh, we need the 14 best teams to make the NFL playoffs, right? Like, it's like it's it's basically like if the NFL last year, like the Detroit Lions were playing really good football. They beat the Packers Week 18 to knock them out of the playoffs. They were the hottest team in the league. They didn't make the playoffs. Why? They, they didn't qualify. They had a sea of a set rules of qualifying for the playoffs. This is like if the NFL said, hey, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we don't think you're one of the seven best NFC teams. We're going to replace you with the Detroit Lions. We, we, it's hard to sit here and comprehend this because we just don't see this. No, like the commissioner of the, of the NHL isn't like, we need the, the, the eight best teams in the West. No, you need the most deserving teams that have the best seasons. So to sit here and to tell Florida State, hey, you went undefeated in a power conference, you played two Power 5 games away from home in the non-conference. You beat Clemson away from home. Um, you beat Louisville away from home. You're 13-0, but you had a devastating injury to your quarterback, and you're, you didn't look ideal the last two weeks. So you're not going to get a chance to play for a national championship. It's, it's really ridiculous when you say it out loud, right? And the Florida State Athletic Director came out with a statement. Mike Norvell had a great statement the day of. But the Florida State AD came out and he said, he said, this hurts, basically, this hurts the reputation of, the, of this process. Like, this hurts, um, this hurts the committee. And I, I think to myself, I think he's right. Because I've seen a lot of theories out there that basically say, at the end of the day, this is a business. And more people are going to want to watch Michigan-Alabama on New Year's Day in Pasadena, then Michigan play Florida State. Do I think Florida State should have made it? Absolutely. Do I think Michigan probably would have beaten Florida State like they beat Iowa in Indianapolis? Probably. It would have, it would probably be like a 24-0 game or like a 20-3 game. Would I rather probably – now, I, I don't plan to watch either playoff game, to be honest. Like I've said this years for years like the playoff is is not my favorite part about college football like i really don't care i think the 14 playoff is dumb i don't think it actually sets a national champion i think it rewards teams that were preseason ranked high that won a lot of games it's basically it right i think florida state like i i think about this and then i'll turn it back to you but i'm like if this were to happen to michigan 
Like, if J.J. McCarthy breaks his leg against Ohio State and Michigan beats Iowa, you know, 13-0, to does Michigan get left out? And I don't think so. I think Michigan's last two years making the playoff, winning the Big Ten, I think that status and their brand gets them in. So, listen, we know, Lucas, that college football isn't a fair game. We know that some programs have inherent advantages. Some conferences are viewed differently. At the end of the day, I mean, I said this. I said, until they leave an SEC champion out, like, I'm not going to believe it. I, at least they didn't put Georgia in because that's the other argument here. And then I promise I'll turn it over to you. That's the argument here. If you really want the four best teams, would you not put Georgia in over Washington or Texas if you think that they're better than those teams? Because I bet you the committee probably thinks that Georgia is better than Texas. So even when they say it's about the four best teams, it really isn't. It's about the four teams that look the best at the time you want them and the brands that they are. No, I completely agree. And I was hearing that I was hearing. I think it was Danny Cannell and Brady Quinn were arguing about this on CBS Sports today. And and Brady Quinn basically said, "All right, he's like, look, the committee's job is to put together the four best teams to make the best TV product possible. Because <coughs> that's what it kind of comes down. To, like you mentioned, it's." And the thing that's funny is everyone's like, well, we want a competitive semifinal. When the hell have we ever, com- like, besides last year, when have the semifinals ever been that competitive? Really not. It's why a lot of people arguing against the 12-team playoff uh, or an expanded playoff pass for, like, half the time we don't even have uh, four good enough teams to compete against each other. Um, I mean, if they were just looking for the best TV product, they wouldn't have put Cincinnati, even though Cincinnati deserved every right to be in the playoff um, a few years ago. So, it, like, I completely agree with you. It's just they, they got an opening to put Alabama in, and, and they, they took it. And look, you mentioned, like, I'll, I'll watch the games. Like, it's, like you mentioned, it's going to be Michigan versus Alabama in the freaking Rose Bowl. Um, and then you're going to have Texas and Washington going at each other in the Sugar Bowl. Like, they're going to be great games. And whoever wins this Invitational, which is basically what the playoff is, um, look, they're going to be crowned a national champ, and they're probably going to be deserved because they're going to beat two really damn good teams uh, in order to get there. But, like we said, it, a lot of the arguing now, it's just like, if we still had a 14 playoff next year, I'd be interest- this would be a crazy precedent, in my opinion, to do and really bad for the sport, but I'm so happy we are going to a 12-team playoff because it re- and because next year there are automatic qualifiers to get in. There's, it does get rid of some of the subjectivity. Like, you have to be, you know, you get an automatic bid if you're a top five, uh, or if you're a top five, the, to the top five ranked conference champs. Automatically get in. And then we're just going to, and then we'll obviously we'll pick the next seven best teams. And I'm, and I'm fine having these arguments over the, you know, the 11th, 12th, 13th, and 14th best team. Much like in the NCAA tournament, like, I don't lose much thought over arguing about bubble teams because they're probably not going to factor in the long run. But the fact is, is you had a legitimate team that does not get a chance to play for a national title, and it's, it's terrible. It's just terrible. One of the things I was thinking about, the other conspiracy that I, I, I think takes, I think I has some substance to it is I just wonder if the committee looked at the championship game last year and when TCU who they led in at 12 and one 
I wonder if they looked at that game when they lost to Georgia 65-7. to They said, we can't allow that to happen again. We can't allow a situation where we let a team that we believe is inferior into the college football playoff because, you know, they, quote, deserve it. And then they go and, like, I don't think the committee wanted a 34-0 game in, uh, in Pasadena. Like, I, I think at some point, and again, this is why it's a, it's a weird conversation because no other league thinks about this, right? The NFL is not – the NFL, like, doesn't just put the Chiefs in the Super Bowl every year, right, or put the Niners in the Super Bowl, right? And I think you used the right word. It's an invitational, right? The committee decides what four teams fit their merit. I, think I was listening to Van Lathan and Bill Simmons talk about this Monday. And Van basically said the committee's rankings are basically it's a snapshot of the four teams that at that moment they want to put in the playoff. And they feel like they can justify putting those teams in the playoff the most. Because you're right, right? Nobody's bringing up the fact that at the same time Florida State was battling with Florida, Alabama needed a miracle fourth down Hail Mary basically to beat a 6-6 six and six Auburn team. Like, we don't really talk about the fact that what's Alabama's best win away from Tuscaloosa? Is it Kentucky? I mean, they beat Ole Miss at home. They beat LSU at home. They lost to Texas at home. Maybe a and is their best home. Maybe a and is their best away win. Like, again, like, you can cherry pick holes in, in Alabama's resume. And listen, to be fair, like, the ACC didn't do Florida State any favors, right? Like, Clemson going 8-4 and four didn't help Florida State. North Carolina going eight and four didn't help Florida State. You know, Georgia Tech being the third best team in the ACC. Like, the ACC admittedly was a little down this year. And I want to talk a little bit, maybe a little bit later, about do we think this um, speeds up the process of Florida State or Clemson wanting to leave that conference? Because if I'm a Florida State administrator, I'm going, wait, we, is our league now not good enough to where if we win every game in our league? Now, the, the, the point is a little mute because of the 12 team playoff, but you get my point. Like you don't want to be in the in the AAA of college football. You just don't. So, um, but yeah, I, the conspiracy theories about listen, this is a business. It's, it's a television product. We're not going to sell a hundred million dollars worth of commercials and watch Georgia and you know watch Florida State not be able to move the ball. Um, it's just frustrating because we just this, this isn't how sports is supposed to work. Like. This isn't. There's no other sport where you can win basically every single one of your games and not even be considered for, to have a chance to play for a championship in the highest degree. That's what you have. And if I was Florida State, if you beat Georgia, I don't know what that game is going to look like, who's going to play, who's not. If you beat Georgia, you're 14-0, especially if Alabama or Texas win the Natty, I would damn well print national championship shirts. In my opinion... You went 14-0, you beat Georgia, you beat LSU, you beat Clemson, you beat Louisville. You're national champions, man. Like, why not? If, hey, if, if uh, UCF could do it and still claims to it, Florida State has a much, much, much bigger bigger claim for it, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about the ACC part of this because I've seen a lot. I've seen that narrative a good amount of if I'm Florida State, I'm getting the hell out of the ACC. And I've always been split on this because we are going to a 12-team playoff. And my opinion is, if you're in a 12-team playoff, do you not want to be in the easier conference? Like, does it benefit you to go 9-3 and three or 8-4 and four in the – like, 
Georgia just released their 2024 schedule. Uh, it just it it leaked to their 24/7 site, and they have like they have Clemson, they have Texas, they have Alabama on there. Like they have a lot of really difficult difficult games. Or would you rather be in the ACC and go 11 and one, or 12 and 0? So. Listen, who knows what happens this summer? I mean, we'll, we'll have a lot of time to talk about if there's any more dominoes in realignment. I just wonder, if you're Florida State, if you're Mike Norvell, if you're their AD, if you're their board of trustees, like, are does this make you more likely to want to go to the SEC? Because apparently, Lucas, unfortunately, the SEC is the only league that matters. <laughs> like, I mean, if I have to hear how many times the SEC, oh, you can't leave the SEC champion out, it's the highest quality of football. You just, you just can't leave the SEC champion out, despite the fact they had a horrendous, <laughs> despite the fact they had a horrendous non-conference and lost basically every major non-conference matchup. Um, but it still feels like they still have that stigma. Well, I feel like everybody, if you haven't already, go and watch. Uh, Bud Elliott does a great uh, breakdown of the SEC's top uh, top non-conference wins um, this season. I think number five. I think is literally Alabama beating Middle Tennessee State. Like that's how uh, that's how bad it was. Um, but um, but no, I I'm kind of mixed on this. I think ultimately what it comes down to, I yes, competitive balance and where you are in the pecking order of conferences, I think matters. That being said, <coughs> with Florida State, and I think one of the reasons I'm shocked this happened to Florida State, I consider Florida State to be a relative blue blood in the sport. Um, Yes, they've been down the last couple of years, but prior to that, I mean, this was one. This was a top ten program generally year in and year out, and I think they will get the benefit of the, of the doubt as long as Mike Norvell continues building what he has, sustains what he has basically built there. The biggest thing to me is still what it what's always been. It's money. Um, I think they're going to look to get out because in what three four years, both the SEC and the Big Ten are going to be making two, three times the amount of money annually as teams in the ACC will. We've already seen that Florida State was looking at trying to get private equity firms to come in to potentially raise funds for them um, to potentially buy their way out of the ACC. And I think that, in the end, is what's going to come down to because you look at it, too. You could have made the same argument for Oregon, for Washington, for staying in the Pac-12 because they might have had an they definitely would have had an easier shot to make the playoff every year. And when it came down to it, they still decided to jump for the Big Ten um, for the stability and for the money. And I think in the end, that's when it's going to come down to it. Um, and who knows? Like we said, maybe this sets a precedent where, I mean, you look at if the field was 12 this year, I think it's like 11 out of the 12 teams, or I think 10 out of the 12 teams would reside and next year in the Pac-12 or in the SEC in the Big Ten. So, you know, it could get to that point. Um, but, yeah, I think – I don't think it – obviously it doesn't help. But I think, I think it's still the same. It's going to come down to money. If the ACC starts all of a sudden printing off money the same as the Big – or close to what the Big Ten and the SEC does, I think that would be enough for Florida State to stay. But if they're not, I think, I think Florida State – just is just getting even more motivated to try to get out of that conference. All right, attorney for the Roses, Ryan Bapalukas, uh, Lucas Rohde. We're talking playoff here. The 14 playoff is set. It's Alabama versus Michigan. It's Washington versus Texas. 
Lucas, we're about a half hour in here. Let's let's talk a little bit about the games itself before we uh, before we get out of here. I know you're a little under the weather, so um, we'll uh, go for another maybe maybe 10, 15 minutes here. But when you look at this, like I, it's tough because we just talked about for a half hour. But like these semifinal games are pretty fun, man. I think Washington versus Texas is is I I. I I always love seeing different new teams and not like your Clemson, Alabama's, Ohio States and stuff in the same. So getting Texas back in, you know, in the fold for a national championship, Washington, just so impressed with Washington. They were nine and a half point favorite against Oregon. They were up, I think, 20 to three at one point. Then they go on like an eight minute drive to basically ice the game in the fourth quarter. Like Michael Penix is awesome. Roma Dunze is awesome. Um, Jalen Polk, like that, that offense, like Washington and Texas. We'll talk about Michigan, Alabama here in a second, but your, like, your thoughts on Washington and Texas. I think it's going to be a really fun game. Quinn Ewers, Michael Penix, two of the better quarterbacks in the country, explosive offenses. I think Texas will be a favorite in this game. But what are your early thoughts on the Sugar Bowl between Washington and Texas? Well, first off, to go off of the, the Pac-12 championship game, if we were picking the Pac-12 champ based on how the committee did, wouldn't we have just right. picked Oregon to yeah, win be Oregon. because they were a nine, they were a nine-point favorite? My least favorite argument, and, and my least favorite argument, Lucas, is well, they'd be favored in Vegas. Remember last year, Nick Saban was like, "We'd be favored over the four teams in the playoff." <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Oh, it's <laughs> and, then, and I love that because then people are like, well, then why don't you just pick Oregon to win the damn – they were nine-and-a-half-point favorites to go against Washington. But, no, I think this is probably going to be the – this is going to be, I think, what TCU-Michigan was last year, that, like, 51-48 to, to 48 type game. That's what this game has the potential to be. It's going to be inside, you know, weather conditions, nothing. And you just have two offenses that can just put up a ton. I mean – Freaking Texas, what, in the last two games has put up over 100 points? Just uh, They put up 42 against Oklahoma State. They put up 57 against Texas Tech. Um, and we've seen that both of these, especially in the secondary, both of these teams can be fairly vulnerable, um, You know, even though I think Texas has, has a better front seven than Washington. But, you know, you're going up against you know, Michael Penix. He's going to be in New York. We had a Heisman finalist. Quinn Ewers just had the game of his life. Uh, in the in the Big 12 championship game, setting a Big 12 title game record with like over 450 yards passing, so I think this game's going to be just a ton of fun. And like you said, it's two fresh kind of new teams. Washington second time back in the playoffs, the first time since 2016, and and Texas making their first ever. Um, I guess we can guess we can kind of say that they're back yet. I don't want to jinx them, but no, this game is going to be. Um, no, I think just a ton, a ton of fun. Um, I'm sure both fan base, I'm looking right now, the average ticket price for both the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl is over $400 right now uh, to go. So, you know, wow. both, all four of these fan bases are jazzed for these games to happen. Uh, Kalen DeBoer really can't be understated what he's done there. It's a 4-8 and eight team. They were a mess offensively in 2021 under Jimmy Lake. He gets that job, and he is, I mean, 9-3 and three year one. 12 and 0 in the regular season year two, 13 and 0 year two. I mean, it's it's the turnaround has been incredibly impressive for Kalen DeBoer in such a short time. I almost feel like it's going to cause some unrealistic expectations for some other coaches in year one and two. Like that's what I think about. I'm like, if if I'm an AD, if I'm a fan, I'm like, hey, Kalen DeBoer put Washington in the playoff in two years. 
Like, you know, why can't you do it, Mike Elko or Jonathan Smith or, like, whomever? So, uh, all right, Michigan and Alabama. It's going to be watched by, like, 500 million people, apparently. Um, so good for the committee for getting the sexy matchup. Um, Michigan steamrolls Iowa. They continue to be a dominant force offensively. They did lose one of their better offensive linemen to a, a broken leg. Alabama, man, again, I think I said this last week. I have no read for Alabama. I mean, it's a team that can barely beat Auburn but then beats Georgia. It's a team that struggles against USF, that benches Jalen Monroe. Now Jalen Monroe wants to win the Heisman. Um, I don't know if they have enough offensively, but then they put up almost 30 points on Georgia. Um, it's a roster that is really talented. Um, but I look at Michigan, and I, I just think from September to now – Michigan's been the best team in the country. But I also understand Michigan hasn't faced the week-in, week-out gauntlet that other teams have, right? Michigan's basically season has been two games, the Penn State game on the road and the Ohio State game at home. Now, they ace both those tests. But even Alabama, right, you had to play LSU. They went 9-3. and three. You had to play Ole Miss. They went 10-2, and two, right? You had to play Georgia. You had to play Texas. And so I'm interested to see, like, Michigan feels a little bit like, not Team of Destiny, but, like, Michigan's been the story of this college football season, like it or not, for most of the season. The Harbaugh suspension. Yeah, right, like, for, for better or worse, like, the Harbaugh suspensions to bookend the season. Um, the weird, like, us against the world, Michigan versus everybody kind of, you know, BS. But for the most part, like, they've just been consistently dominant. But they haven't really been tested. So I'm interested to see... One, how does the defense fare against Jalen Milrow? Because the Big Ten, they just, you don't have a Jalen Milrow in the Big Ten, right? Like, I don't know who the closest would it be. Would it be, like, Talia that, that Michigan faced this year? Like, the Big Ten is filled with – it's not Teakin Hill. I can tell you that much. It's not transfer portal quarterback Colin McCord, apparently, either. Um, I just think with his legs and his ability to extend plays – it was interesting. I saw Georgia, like Georgia quite a bit would almost have two spies on him during the game. Like they would rush three, but it was like a rush two and a half and they'd have two spies. Like I'm interested to see how Michigan fares with Jalen Monroe's legs and trying to contain the big play. And offensively, like can Alabama, can you get to 20 points? Like, can you, can you, do you have the weapons to, to move the ball on Michigan? Right. This was a team that like through the first seven or eight games, didn't face a first and goal. Like, their defense just didn't face a first and goal. Like, this is a defense that has been as dominant as we've seen really any for quite a while, maybe since that 2019 LSU team, at least on a national stage. So, um, interested to see. I think I think this is an intriguing one for sure. Um, what are your thoughts on the Rose Bowl between Michigan and Alabama? My thing is with, with Michigan – because I think out of the two teams, I think Michigan has a lot more pressure on them in this game. This is their third straight time making it to the playoff. They have yet to advance past the semifinal. A lot of people thought that was going to happen last year. And now you're playing a team that a lot of people didn't think should have been in the playoff to be in. And my biggest question, and look, I think J.J. McCarthy's been really good all year. He obviously was Big Ten quarterback of the year. Not It was a very down year for quarterbacks in, in, in the Big Ten this year. But he did not play great, I did not think, last year against CCU, especially early on in that game. He had you know, the pick six early. He had 
Another interception in that game. Made some just really bad reads early on that put Michigan in a hole. I'm interested to see how he responds this year because this should be, Michigan should be acting like the more experienced team. Because we talked about a lot of the turnover that Alabama had, not just at the quarterback position, but you don't have Will Anderson and a lot of those leaders on defense either. Michigan's been here before. A lot of this team returned from last season. Will they, will they look upon it, or will they dig themselves another early hole like they did last year? Because if you look at what Michigan did, especially in their game against Penn State, look, J.J. McCarthy has to, be, uh, he has to be a dude in this game, I think, for them to win. He has shown certainly a lot of flashes of that this year, but can he do that in a playoff setting? Because against Iowa, he didn't really have to do that. He did have to do that a little bit against Ohio State, and he showed it. He didn't have to do it against Penn State and really the rest of their schedule because I don't think they are going to be able to run the ball against Alabama like they have against some of these previous opponents. So my thing is, where does Michigan come out? Um, especially because they get Harbaugh back. I mean, Harbaugh was back for the Big Ten title game. He'll be back for this game. How do they come out? Because they should be the more experienced team because this is now their third straight year going through it's a good point. I mean, it's weird how it feels like. It doesn't feel like that. You would think Alabama's the more veteran team, but, like, this will be Jalen Monroe's first playoff start. This will be J.J. McCarthy's third, right? The majority of this Michigan team is back for one reason, to win a national championship. And it was interesting to see, like, the Michigan reaction when Alabama was in and not Florida State. Like, I think Michigan thought that they were going to get Florida State and maybe get another kind of easy path to Texas or Washington, and you get an Alabama team that, listen, when they're on, they're really good. And, they're you know, they're really talented. Defensively, they're really good. Like, Dallas Turner against that offensive line is going to be awesome. Um, Alabama's got two probably future NFL tackles. Caden Proctor is a true freshman, but he's really good. You know, J.C. Latham you see in the first round of most 2024 mock drafts. So, um, again, like, just really fun matchups. You know, Cooley McKinstry and um, Will, Will Johnson are two really good cornerbacks that are featured in this. I mean, there's stars all over this field. But this almost feels like the final hurrah for Michigan, right? I mean, this feels like not final hurrah, but, like, I, I, I just think Jim Harbaugh is going to move on. I, I think the Bears' job is going to open up. And he's going to take that job. I think he's just kind of done with the college BS. After I mean, he was suspended for half the season. Um, you've had this incredible three-year run. J.J. McCarthy's gone after this year. You're losing guys like Blake Corum. Um, you get, you know, Oregon and USC in the conference next year. It's going to be, like, going to be a little bit more challenging now. Your, your season is not going to be two games for the most part. So... I wonder if this is the final hurrah for this current Michigan program. Harbaugh moves on. They probably promote your own more, like whatever. Um, so I do think Michigan has a lot of pressure on them. Alabama's like, hey, we, we weren't supposed to be here. Like, you know, we're the, we're the random wild cards. Like, you know, we're the sixth seed in the NFC that makes the Super Bowl. And like, hey, like, you know, who cares? Like, we're playing with house money. Um, and then Washington and Texas, I think, again, like, one of those two teams will play for a national championship. It'll either be Steve Sarkeesian in Texas in year three or Kalen DeBoer in Washington in year two. Like, it's really fun storylines. So as much as I just sat here for a half hour, you know, bemoaning the committee, bemoaning this system, maybe I'll try to tape the games and watch them out of spite or something. <laughs> well, one, thing that, one thing that is cool, I think I read, if Michigan beats Alabama, no matter who they play, you'll get a rematch next year of the game because they play Texas 
in the non-con, and obviously they play Washington as a conference game next year. So I thought that was kind of a fun, fun little fact there. Uh, any final thoughts before we uh, before we say uh, good night for this week? Uh, crazy week this week. I, I'm sure we'll talk. We'll delve into a lot of portal um, and things like that next week. It's a crazy time. I can't imagine being a college football coach right now, especially if you qualified for a playoff or like a major major bowl game, because uh, there's like 800 things um, going on right now. Monday was crazy. Just seeing all these different names on the going jumping into the portal you know it's it's kind of crazy now we have players that will send out like i'm coming back for one more year it's like yeah you were a true freshman this year like why do you need to make an announcement i didn't know that was kind of a thing but anyways excited to talk about that um while we have basically a month before we see kind of meaningful uh college football games again so uh never an off season though uh yeah this is the three-week stretch that every older college football fan just hates you know the player empowerment the players transferring i saw that florida state's defensive end um not verse the other one peyton pritchard peyton peyton something uh entered the transfer port yeah he entered the transfer portal and it was basically a negotiation tactic because he wants more nil money and he's basically Mm -hmm. saying hey i'm gonna enter the portal you better pay me more money like we're, it's I can't. I mean, you said it the best. I can't imagine being a college football coach and having to, you know, re-recruit your roster, finish your twenty twenty-four recruiting class, look at new players in the portal. Oh, also you have bowl prep, which all coaches talk about how important those practices are before the bowl game for young players and some of the newer guys in the program. So, a lot going on. And we have National Signing Day uh, starting in two weeks. So. Yep, December. I think twentieth is National Signing Day. So. Yeah, two weeks from uh, two weeks from today. Yeah. Crazy, man. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, we'll get into a lot of portal stuff and maybe wrap up the coaching carousel next week as we'll kind of – our first true, quote, off-season pod in in in, uh, in air quotes. Maybe we'll just rank our best bowl games. Like, is it the Pop-Tart Bowl? Is it the Cheese and Bowl? <laughs> we'll uh, Wisconsin- by, yeah, by, by, by edible condiments and uh, mascots, we'll rate them by. Yeah, the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Uh, real quick, Wisconsin kind of got screwed on their bowl game, right? Going to play uh, LSU, right, in Tampa? I got screwed, personally, because um, yeah. I thought they were going to uh, – if, if everything was lining up, they were going to play the Music City Bowl. looked like I was going to be able to watch them. I don't know if they got screwed. They're in a better bowl game against a better opponent. Um, I have no idea who the hell, if, who's playing for LSU. Um if Jaden Daniels is never playing, I do not love our chances <laughs> to even have that game, maybe even be remotely competitive. But, um, hey, I'm still excited for it. Um, it's still a good opponent and a good bowl game. But, like, these bowl games, man, like, you're not in the playoff game. It's just, like, they're just glorified exhibitions. Like, I don't have any, like, like I'll be emotional rooting for them, but I have no, like, like, to me the season's done. Like, I'm not... Like, the bowl game used to be kind of a tip-off, and it's like, you already have three or four guys that already said they're not playing, that are starters, either going to the NFL or transferring. So it's just, I don't know. It'll be fun to watch, but I'll have no, like, emotional heartstrings pull, like, getting pulled into it. We can talk about it in a future pod, but I feel like they got to rework the bowl system somehow. I love the idea of putting the bowls, like, where week zero is now currently or something yeah. like that. Like, put them in, like, at the end of August and make it, like, a preseason thing. Um, because you're just – I don't think fans are going to want to go. 
Like if you're a Wisconsin fan and or you're let's say you're an LSU fan and you are you going to, you know, make the trip to Tampa, buy tickets only to see, you know, half of your starting lineup out or more, you know, between guys in the portal, guys who are injured, guys going to the NFL. You know, especially like if you have an, if you fired your coach, like if you're A&M and you got 15 players in the portal, eight guys going to the NFL, you know, like how many guys do you actually have to play in this bowl game? So, yeah, bowl season I think needs a bit of a facelift. I think it'll be interesting to see kind of what they do with it. I know they're trying to incentivize players, but it's it's just not working. It's not working. So, all right, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, road pod for Lucas. He is in enemy territory down there in, in Tuscaloosa. Uh, for Lucas Rody, I'm Ryan Baffle Lucas. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. <laughs>